tennis fans, and welcome to another episode of Match Point Canada, the official Tennis Canada podcast. I'm your host, Mike McIntyre, and with my co-host Ben Lewis away this week, I'm happy to welcome TSN's first-class reporter and the leader of Masters Nation, Mark Masters, as our special guest. Mark, thanks for joining us this week. Great to be here. We are fresh off the second Grand Slam of 2019 at the French Open, and you yourself have just returned from Paris. We uh, witnessed some fantastic clay court tennis over the past two weeks. On the men's side, a mind-blowing 12th Roland Garros title for Rafael Nadal, who defeated Dominic Team, And then we had semifinal showings from Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. The women, meanwhile, continued their trend this year of unpredictable results, with Ashley Barty capturing the first slam of her career over up-and-coming 19-year-old Marketa Vondruzova. Uh, before we look at both draws, Mark, I'm wondering of all the Grand Slams, how does the French Open compare for you? Well, it definitely has a distinct feel. Um, obviously, it's the only one where where it's uh, it's not English isn't uh, the prominent language. Obviously, it's it's in France. It's uh, you know you, you're, you're dealing with that. It's definitely kind of a more laid back feel than Wimbledon in the U.S. I haven't been to the Australian Open. Um, you know they're modernizing here of late. Uh, they they have renovations to Chatrier, the main stadium, the center court this year. They opened a new uh, third largest uh, stadium, Simon Mathieu, which uh, so they're they're moderate, modernizing. They're going to add lights and a retractable roof soon. But it just kind of feels like uh, it's the most old school of the of the of the three majors that I've attended. And I guess this year, with all the weather issues that they had over there, uh, having that roof would have made uh, a big difference in terms of trying to keep things somewhat on on track at the end of the tournament. hundred percent. I mean, hopefully they they can avoid some of those issues they dealt with this year. Uh, moving forward, they're also going to have night sessions in a couple of years, which will be interesting as well. So um, they're slowly but surely moving uh, into kind of the, the technological era here. <laughs> Uh, and you know it'll be it'll be nice to see them move forward. They they they're based on their venue. It's they've had some 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 struggles. Just it's not the biggest uh, piece of land. It's the smallest footprint of all the majors. So they've had some issues expanding and trying to get there. But they're slowly and surely moving in the right direction. Tell me during the time that you were there, uh, were there any highlights or sort of fun moments that really stood out for you over uh, the uh, fortnight? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, watching Leilani Fernandez. Of Laval uh, win the the girls' junior title, first Canadian to win uh, a junior Roland Garros singles title was was a real thrill. Uh, anytime you see a Canadian taking home some hardware, that's kind of cool. And uh, over the last couple of years, getting a chance to interview Leilani and kind of get to know her a little bit, it was it was, it was nice to see that. And uh, and uh, I think uh, we did a feature where I I kind of put on some Raptors gear and went around Roland Garros and asked the locals about uh, the Raptors in the NBA Finals. That was really fun and cool for me to do. I saw that. I really did enjoy that. And, uh, you know, once again, your your Canadian sense of humor coming across quite quite well. Uh, not everybody over there were uh, Raptors fans, though, uh, I, I noticed. Well, I mean, there were some bandwagoners with the Golden State Warriors, of course, as you'd expect. But uh, I was actually surprised how many folks were staying up in, like, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Uh, is when the games were on. So uh, I was impressed that so many of the locals were staying up to watch it uh, and uh, we're really plugged into it. Basketball is a big, you know, uh, very popular sport over there. And uh, I saw Tony Parker was at the the match Sunday and now he's retired. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's pretty popular. There. So that was kind of cool just to talk to some of them about that. And yeah, I ran into some uh, Warriors fans as well and uh, had some spirited discussions with them. 
I, uh, I guess we'll switch over to the, uh, the tennis now. And if we look at the uh, ATP side, first and foremost, you know, another French Open, another title for Rafa Nadal. He captures his 12th Roland Garros title, which almost seems routine now for him, remarkably. Uh, most players would be lucky to end their careers with 12 titles in total. And here he is with that many at just one major. Have we become desensitized to Nadal's greatness? I mean, where do his 12 titles at one slam compare for you compared to other great tennis feats or even compared to other great sporting feats, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some Rafa fatigue when it comes to the French Open uh, just because he's done it and sometimes he makes it look easy. Only dropped two sets during this run. Um, and, you know, there's throughout the whole tournament, it never really felt like he wasn't in control. Uh, he, you know, he lost, I think, the third set at David Goffin, the third round. And uh, and then, of course, it was one set all, Dominic team, but uh, the last two sets were 6-1, six, 6-1. One, six, one. So um, maybe there's a bit there should not be. It's pretty incredible what he's done. You mentioned uh, 12 French Opens. If he only had French Opens, those 12 would put him, what, tied for fifth all-time with Roy Emerson on the on the all-time leaderboard. And I think the emotion that he showed afterwards is a sign of just how tough this is physically and mentally. You know, the, it still means so much to him and the injuries he's had to overcome. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. And Roger Federer, after he lost to him in the semis, you know, I thought his comments were really noteworthy about, you know, how uncomfortable Nadal makes you feel when you're playing against him on clay, how he defends the entire court. No one's even remotely close to him. That's what Federer said and. You know, Federer is, you know, maybe the greatest of all time. Uh, the fact that Nadal is 101 and 0 now, I mean, that stat is laughable. 101 and 0 in best of five set matches on clay when he wins the first set. So I don't know if there's a more intimidating opponent on, the, on a surface than Nadal on clay. Uh, and uh, it's really a, a privilege for us, I think, all to watch him do what he's done over the, the last uh decade and a half on, on clay courts. It's truly remarkable stuff. No, absolutely. And, and it certainly must be intimidating for his opponents, especially given how leading into the French Open, he wasn't looking as strong as he had been in previous years, making three straight semifinals and then winning in Rome. I mean, for most players, that would have been a fantastic clay court season. Of course, for Nadal, there were question marks. And yet here he is again, now narrowing the gap. He's only two slams behind Roger. So it seems like we're once again going to reignite the debate over who's going to end up with the most majors when it's all said and done. And I know some people don't like to play that game. I can't help it. It's kind of fun to debate. Is it going to be Roger or Novak or Rafa? Uh, Roger, of course, has 20. Rafa with 18 now and Novak at 15. Uh, Rafa himself said after the win that he's motivated to catch Roger, but that he's not obsessing over it, uh, sort of comparing it to someone who would be jealous of uh, seeing his neighbor's bigger house. Uh, to me, it's very dependent on health between these three guys and how much longer as well they can ward off the next generation of tennis players. What, what do you think on that, Mark? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to, to watch that storyline play out. I thought it was uh, interesting to hear Nadal talk about, you mentioned how he didn't have his best clay court tune-up and how in Barcelona he had to kind of sit, him, sit himself, his own self down in, in a room by himself and just think about how he's going to get back to being at his top level and he was really down with all the health issues he's had and he basically had to decide whether he was going to shut it down and get healthy or he was going to change his attitude and approach and he said he made a drastic change mentally uh you know 
you know, got himself boosted up and we saw the difference it made the rest of the clay court season that he was able to get himself to the point where he was able to run the table at uh, Rome and Roland Garros. So I thought that's just kind of the sign of what a great champion he is, that he's able to do that within himself and boost that up. Um, and I also, you know, you referenced his, his comments after them, after the win, when he was asked about chasing Federer, and he says that's just not the way he approaches life. You know, he's trying to do his own thing and how he's content and lucky with, he feels lucky about what, what's happened to him in his career. Um, and, you know, he's just kind of at peace with that. And I think that's a really good way to, to approach it. And that's the only way that I think you can when you're in this amazing era where you're chasing a guy like Federer. So it's impossible to know, but it's exciting to discuss. How big was that 2017 Australian Open, eh? Uh, Federer beats Nadal in five. If Rafa wins that, they're tied right now. Well, and so, I mean, that, uh, that to me was almost like their their resurgence that, that January because they were both coming in with some question marks. Federer having been off the tour for six months and Nadal dealing with his own injury issues in the midst of a nearly three-year drought without a major. Who would have thought that year that they'd both sort of flick the switch back on uh, you know, uh, share the majors two and two that year. And, and since then, other than the two of them and Novak going on his run of, of three straight, I mean, it's, it's back to uh, the good old days for some people, I guess. Yeah, the big three have won 10 straight Grand Slams. Uh, third longest streak for those three when they've had one. They, they had a previous long streak of 18. I don't know if we're going to get there with this, this latest surge. Won't, can, uh, won't bet against them based on everything. And now that Nadal's within two, this is, He's never been within two in his career. Um, so this is as close as he's been, which, as you know, I think is a good enough reason than any to start discussing it more. Uh, so Federer turns, what, 38, August 8th, same birthday as uh, Felix Ogier-Aliassime. That's right. Nadal turns thir- he turned 33 at the French Open, which I think is great that his birthday is during the French Open, so he always gets to celebrate there. Uh, Djokovic turned 32 in May. So I guess what I'm wondering is, is there going to be a window when Djokovic gets a time where Federer and Nadal are not, are, are not at that, that level where they can win Grand Slams and the next gen isn't ready to completely take over, and, and then there's a moment where he's just going to pick up even more. I mean, he'd won three in a row already going in here, but if he's going to get that, that time where he's still kind of at near or at his peak and he can really you know, make some hay while the sun is shining. So, uh, you know, I certainly think Nadal can win some more French Opens. He was pretty darn close at Wimbledon last year. Uh, if he beats Nadal in that, or if he beats Djokovic in that semi that um, went right down to the wire in the fifth set, he probably beats Anderson and wins the the Wimbledon. So I think he's still a factor if he's healthy uh, on, on uh, in that tournament. Federer always a threat to win Wimbledon. It's going to be exciting, impossible to know. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could give you an answer. It's going to be fun <laughs> to watch. It's amazing we're still talking about these guys in this context. Yeah, and that is a crazy prospect, you know, because you, you'd have to think just being about five years older that Roger will be the first one to go. And then Nadal with all the knee issues that he's had over the years and, and the hard physical style of play that he has, you know, I can't see him lasting too much longer without Roger around, even though he is younger, which, yeah, if Novak can stay healthy and who knows, that may give him that window uh, to sort of pad his stats, so to speak. Or will the next generation be ready? I mean, Boris Becker today called out the under-30 crowd on the ATP Tour, saying uh, that they are long overdue to challenge the big three at the slams. He questioned their quality. He questioned their attitude. Um, but but easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, listen, we're in a golden age here. Uh, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, one, two, three on the major leaderboard, uh, all playing at the same time, They're mentally strong, incredibly strong, incredible fighters, huge tennis IQ, um, so, yeah, easier said than done. 
Um, and I, it, this is just incredible greatness we're witnessing here. So I don't think the lack of a major breakthrough is an indictment of the, the up-and-comers at all. Uh, you know, tennis is an individual sport. And every guy is different uh, and is defined in their own way. We've seen breakthroughs at different levels. Varev has won three Masters 1000 events. That's right. Have won in Paris last year, team one. Indian Wells, it's coming. Uh, there's some great talent. The young Canadian kids, obviously, coming up, Dennis and Felix. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, easy to sit there and say, yeah, they should be breaking through. But, you know, Djokovic made the point uh, during the French Open that he finds that this next generation is more professionalized than he was when he had his breakthrough. And I think that it's just, this is just an era of greatness. A uh, golden generation, it's hard to break through, and that's just the way it is. And I don't think that... Uh, um, you know, it's hard to for me to, to to look at the next generation and say they're lacking anything. I think they're just going up against all-time greats. Yeah, and those three greats have almost denied their own generation, you know, who are going to be retiring as, as well around the same time, the the opportunity to sink their teeth in at the majors. So at some point, the Tsitsipas's, the Zverev's, the uh, Shapovalov's, and, and Oji Aliassim's of the world, they're going to get their chance. And I, I hope people appreciate and give them the opportunity and don't complain that, oh, well, they're not this, they don't have the backhand of Nadal or the forehand of Federer, or, you know, give them their fair opportunity. It'll be interesting to see you know, how the, the tennis world reacts to that sort of uh, big three hangover when they eventually do uh, hang up their rackets. Yeah, and I think it's going to be exciting to see who will be the heirs. Team certainly looks like the heir apparent on clay. We'll see who else sits he passed. I think against Warenko is probably the match of the of the French Open in terms of just high-level entertainment. And Tsitsipas is an engaging personality. Um, his own YouTube channel, really interesting guy off the court. Uh, Dennis really interesting. I think it's going to be great to see that's there's the kind of the two storylines emerging emerging at the same time. Uh, you know, the all time greats jockeying for their legacies, and then the other guys jockeying to see who will kind of be able to replace them. And maybe it'll be you know a number of different guys on different surfaces at different slams. Um, but it's exciting. I, I find it a really exciting time uh, to be following and watching uh, tennis. You're listening to Matchpoint Canada. You can find us on Twitter at Matchpoint Can. You can find me at Pro Tennis Fan. And our guest this week is Mark Masters, and you can look him up at Mark H. Masters. Uh, if we move over to the WTA side and look at the uh, women's tournament, could the WTA possibly have any more talent to showcase right now? I mean, the depth that we saw in the draw and the diversity of their games was really once again on display for me. And uh, who would have predicted those uh, four semifinalists? Yeah, four semifinalists, none of whom had ever reached a major final before. Only one of whom had, in, in Johanna Conte had reached a major semifinal before. So it's incredible uh, parity on, uh, in the women's game to a degree here. First 18 tournaments of the season, different uh, winners in each one, 18 different winners. Average age of uh, a tournament champion this year is 23, so it's getting uh, to, a, to the degree where the younger folks are, are breaking through and winning tournaments um, and a different woman has now won nine of the last 10 grand slams. So Osaka is the only one who's, who's gone, gotten two and she won the Aussie and the U S open last, uh, last year. So I, I, it's exciting on the infusion of young talent for sure on the woman's side. Um, a lot of factors leading to this. There's kind of been a changing the guard here. Serena, obviously with the maternity leave, hasn't won a major since coming back, although she's been a factor. Uh, Victoria Azarenka also going through maternity uh, leave and then coming back. Petra Kvitova had the, the, the stabbing incident, which was so scary, and now she's come back but uh, and has played really well, uh, but still hasn't won a major. And Maria Sharapova, 
you obviously had the doping suspension. So those are some pretty big names that have gone through some some huge moments, uh, you know, off the court uh, in recent years, and uh, and it's left a you know a vacuum to a degree where people can break through. We've seen some breakthroughs and I'm intrigued to see which one of the uh, youngsters is going to break through next. Yeah, it's really interesting just the difference and the the polar opposite between the uh, the men's and the women's tours and I for one love it. I think it's great that they're different and that we've got, you know, the the old guard on one side and then the up and coming on the women's side of things. We've seen the rise obviously of Canada's Bianca Andreescu this season and my goodness, did she ever capture our attention through the first 3 months until that uh, injury crept in? But she's not the only teenager to keep an eye on. Uh, who impressed you among the younger women's players in the draw in Paris this year? Well, I guess you got to look at the semifinalists. And, well, the finalists, Marketa Vondrasova, a breakout star. I don't think, uh, I, I was looking at the statistics, no one has won more matches since the Australian Open on tour than hers. So um, she was excellent. And Amanda Anisimova, the young American, 17 years old, uh, how she held her nerve, beat Simona Halep in the quarters. Um, played fearless tennis, incredible, easy power. Um, she can really blast the tennis ball. It's going to be exciting to watch her progression. Now, I got to insert my uh, my hockey connection here, and not just because you cover the sport as well, but growing up as a hockey fan, I was really big on the international rivalries like Canada versus the Soviet Union in the 80s, and then in the late 90s, we had a, a great rivalry emerge between Canada and the USA I personally am very excited to see how uh, Bianca Andreescu matches up against uh, American Amanda Anisimova. And I'm wondering if a rivalry in tennis between us and our neighbors to the south could uh, have some real potential for marketing the sport of tennis here in North America. Yeah, I think just rivalries in general would be good. Uh, Maybe that's something the women's game is missing a bit right now. Obviously, at the top of the men's game, Federer, Federer versus Nadal, I mean, nothing beats those big guys going against each other and uh you know you just wonder if we can you know see some of the 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 top players on the women's side generating that uh maybe we'll see if it's uh, Kerber and uh, and Bianca getting a few more matches uh I was, I was really looking forward to uh Bianca and Kenan for a third time uh in recent uh in recent weeks and unfortunately Bianca had a withdraw from the French Open but um, there's there's certainly the potential for some nice rivalries to develop with some of these younger players if they can um, consistently reach the, the later stages of these events. So um, that's uh, I'd be pumped. It doesn't have to be Canada U.S. to me, although that's that's always fun. It's uh, any good uh, two young players going at it coming up together. There's the there's the the chance for a good rivalry to be created. Now you spoke about uh, how obviously it was disappointing for Bianca, who re-aggravated her shoulder injury after a lengthy first-round match that was extended over two days. I was certainly looking forward to uh, her facing Serena Williams for the first time, but as I always seem to do when I'm looking forward to a match so much, uh, you know, ahead in the draw, I somehow jinx it or it gets derailed for uh, one reason or another. We're going to have to wait on that one. Uh, it is a bit concerning, though, I think, to see the amount of injuries that she's had to deal with already. It just... 18 years old. Uh, I mean, you can't help but wonder if skipping the entire clay season might have been, uh, you know, better for her. Yeah, I mean, the the doctors cleared her, and uh, they, you know, talking to her coach Sylvain Bruno, they they did. They felt like they did everything the doctors and the medical team that's around her, or they've been working with, told them to do. So, I guess that's that's one of the concerning things is you do everything you think right, and um, you know it doesn't work out. But these are competitors. You know, Bianca wants to play. Uh, certainly, there's only four Grand Slams a year. Clay's her favorite surface. Um, she has a lot of momentum. She feels like she wants to pick up 
you know, right where she left off, uh, you know, Indian Wells, Miami. When you look at it, I think now she's won 11 straight matches that she's been able to complete dating back to Indian Wells. So she, she just, you know, you, you desperately want to be in the mix. Um, but you're right. You know, maybe they, they were, you know, they should have just been extra cautious and waited. You never know. Hindsight is 2020. Um, it'll be interesting to see if she can try and get back for Wimbledon. Maybe they just skip the grass court season and say, let's get ready for the hard courts. Obviously she'll have the homecoming in Toronto. I'm sure she's pumped for that. As are the Toronto fan, the Canadian fans that will be there. Um, and she should be very good on, on the hard courts as well. So yeah, it is concerning. The shoulder is, uh, takes a, takes a tremendous, you know, stress in tennis. And, uh, hopefully this isn't going to be something that reoccurs throughout her career. And that doesn't, hopefully it's something she doesn't need surgery or anything and she can just rest it up and be ready. Uh, but we don't know now. And, uh, it's a big question mark moving forward. Yeah, fingers crossed that she does uh, come back when she's absolutely uh, healed up. And if it isn't for the grass court season, then so be it. There's so much to look forward to and, and so much time in the future that I think, uh, you know, taking every precaution is is what her and her team are going to have to do. Um, in terms of another Canadian who uh, came back after a two-month layoff was Jeannie Bouchard. Uh, for her, it was a recurring abdominal injury. Uh, not surprising, therefore, that she went out quickly in the opening round against Lesia Serenko. It seemed to me like she had turned a corner late in 2018, had some stronger results, got back into the top 100, and now suddenly she's without a coach, uh, seems sort of like she's in limbo at the moment. You've established a pretty good rapport with her over her years. I I believe she said maybe even favorite Canadian reporter, if I remember correctly. I think just favorite reporter in general. Oh, in general. Sorry. Okay, my bad. I don't want to correct you there, but I no, think that no was problem. A quote. Yeah. <laughs> where Where do you think uh, that way. Where Where do you think Jeannie goes uh, from here, Mark? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I, first off, I just wanted to point out that uh, it's amazing how much of a draw she remains. What seventy eight in the world? She hasn't made a second round of a major since the two thousand seventeen Australian Open, but still garners a lot of attention whenever. She's at an event. She was scheduled her first round match against Serenko on court number one, the Bull Ring. So that's still one of the bigger venues at the, at Roland Garros, and it was pretty full. And most fans were supporting her. So she's won over a lot of fans. She's still um, a big draw, and that that's something that stood out for me. And uh, I think this is in you know maybe a stepping stone tournament for her, uh, the French Open. She hadn't played as you mentioned since qualifying in Miami. In, in early March, the nagging ab injury, something that's been a big issue. Uh, so she's feeling a bit better. I think getting to play at Roland Garros kind of helped her get that feeling of competition again, showed her how much she missed the big stage. Cause I think she was a bit worn down from all the travel she had done earlier in the year and really wanted to be at home for a bit and recharge the batteries mentally as well as physically. So I think it's positive. Now she gets to go back on her favorite surface grass, go to her favorite tournament at Wimbledon and, uh, and kind of start almost anew in this season. So hopefully it's a, it's a stepping stone to, to bigger and better things for her and she can really get some momentum going. To end on a positive with our Canadian contingent in Paris, we did have two great performances that perhaps flew a little bit under the, the mainstream radar. You spoke at great length with both Gabby Dabrowski, who made the mixed doubles final for a third straight year uh, at Roland Garros, and also with up-and-coming phenom, 16-year-old Leila Annie Fernandez. Uh, a f- fantastic week for, for both of these players, wasn't it? Incredible, yeah. And Leila Annie kind of, you know, really special. Roland Garros was the first Grand Slam she started watching as a kid. Always dreamed of winning it. Um, and she was dominant to drop a set. Her toughest match might have been the first round where she was playing in tough conditions. It was raining, and uh, one of the sets was 7-5. But I don't think other than that, I don't think there was a set where she 
lost more than four games, and she was just a, a buzzsaw uh, near the end of the tournament, uh, really on a mission after losing the semis in Paris last year and losing in the finals of the Australian Open earlier this season. She really wanted to have that breakthrough, and there's a lot of pressure. She's the number one seed, uh, and she came through, and I think probably one of my favorite moments was seeing her hug her father and coach Jorge after match point there. They've been through a lot coming up together, uh, and that was a great moment. And uh, talking to Jorge afterwards, he was really emotional. So that was cool to see. And then Gabby Dabrowski, a lot of adversity. She arrives in Paris, rolled her ankle in one of her first practice sessions, uh, had her clay court shoes stolen, had to play with all court shoes the rest of the tournament, um, squandered a match point in the quarterfinals and doubles with Julie Zhu, uh, and loses in heartbreaking fashion, but then recovers to win a mixed match later in the day, makes the finals and mixed doubles again. Um, comes up short, but still a pretty successful clay court season, won a title, made a final in one of the 1,000s. So um, some momentum uh, garnered there. And one of my favorite players to interview, very thoughtful, very insightful. So always a pleasure to deal with both uh, Leilani and uh, Gabby Dabrowski. So um, really positive uh, for, for both of them in Paris this year. Yeah, for Leilani, it's really amazing to have another young Canadian name to throw out there. I mean, other countries must be looking at us right now wondering what we're putting in the water over here. And and then for Gabby Dabrowski, she's kind of been the anchor of Canadian tennis the past few years. Uh, you know, and with Daniel Nestor retiring on the men's side, she is certainly uh, keeping up that strong Canadian doubles tradition and and as you mentioned she's really great to talk to as well i spoke with her a few weeks ago i've got a feature coming out in the uh, ontario tennis magazine shortly and just an absolute joy i kind of banked for 30 to 45 minutes to speak with her and after an hour she said hey i'm good to keep going so it's not often you get that and uh, and really appreciated that from gabby um mark tell us what's next for you in terms of your tennis coverage where can we see you on a tennis court uh next up yeah i'm just gonna rest up and get ready to go back over to Europe into Wimbledon for for the All England Club and those championships in a few weeks and I'm excited to see hopefully um, it, it could uh, yield better results from the Canadians in singles main draw um, certainly sh- seems to be trending in that direction uh, nice to see Felix Ojeda-Lysine get his first ATP grass court win uh, this evening or today and uh, Milos Raonic is back from injury and off to a winning start in Stuttgart as well so that's exciting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to some great Canadian stories uh, in at Wimbledon. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to hearing you cover them and uh, see what special feature you put together at Wimbledon as well. We'll see uh, what gift for your buddy Mark Rowe over at TSN Tennis there you, uh, you pick up this time. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. I'm sure that jet lag is still lingering, so go get some rest. Enjoy being back in Masters Nation, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, Mark. Well, the beautiful thing about Masters Nation is it's everywhere. So I'm never, uh, I'm never far away from the fans. And I'm a little jet lagged, but I'll be, I'll be okay after a couple of days. But it was a pleasure to come on the podcast. I think this is great. Uh, and uh, kudos to you and uh, Mr. Lewis for, for for building something here. Thanks a lot. Take care. Talk soon. That okay, was bye. Mark Mark Masters, uh, TSN uh, reporter and tennis analyst. And always great to connect with Mark. Uh, I've bumped into him from time to time at the Rogers Cup here in Toronto. He's one of the good guys for sure. There's no false pretense. He's got a typically Canadian, uh, you know, sense of humor. And uh, I held back there a little bit. I was very tempted to get into a hockey discussion with him. But seeing as how he covers the Leafs and I am a diehard Habs fan, I don't know how much in common we would have had. Uh, Anyways, thank you to Mark and uh, looking forward to seeing his coverage over in Wimbledon in just a few weeks time.
We're not done in terms of guests, though, and I'm happy to introduce Canada's newest Grand Slam champion, victorious in the Junior Girls Singles Final at Roland Garros, now ranked number three in the junior rankings and already number 373 on the WTA Tour at just 16 years old, Leila Annie Fernandez. Thank you for joining us. Hi, yes, I'm very happy to be here. How are you? I'm good, thanks. We uh, we followed your run in Paris. You've just captured the first Junior Grand Slam of your career, which you said before was an objective for you this year. So tell us, how, how does it feel to be a Grand Slam champion? Oh, my God. I have no words to describe the feeling that I still feel I'm in a dream, honestly. <laughs> But I'm just super happy that I'm able to get the trophy to bring it back home. And uh, now it's just like it gives me more motivation to to train harder for the next tournament. You brought the trophy home with you. Does that something gets packed in your sort of like uh, carry on? You hold it through the whole flight. What's what's the deal with the trophy? <laughs> oh, well, yes, it's with me. I have it with me for like 24-7. It's no further than like half a mile away. <laughs> what does half, this nope. <laughs> What does this victory do to uh, change your goals for the remainder of 2019? No, my goals are always the same. I have three goals at uh, the beginning of the year, which the first one, which I think is the most important one, is to be healthy. That uh, by the end of the year, I want to finish the year healthy, emotionally, mentally, and physically. And then, and then maybe uh, my second goal would be probably a finish uh, the year top 200 WTA. And uh, I just like accomplished my my last goal was to win a junior Grand Slam. So. Uh, those those are the same goals that we'll be having for this year, and uh, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to achieve them. During the tournament, I heard you being described as as being very serious in your approach to the game, and definitely for being a fighter on the court. Uh, would you agree with those statements? How how would you describe yourself as a tennis player? Uh, I do agree with those statements. That yes, I'm very serious. That a uh, Tennis is is my passion. I love tennis. Um, every time I step on the on the court, I'm always happy. But uh, but I'm always serious. I always uh, I always take competition. I I take competition to a to another level. I love competition. I'm very competitive. I'm competitive with my younger sister on practice on everything. But as a tennis player, I, I'm a hard worker. I never leave a point to chance that everything is, uh, is kind of like it could be my last time to play. It was quite a moment, obviously, seeing you and your father hug after you captured the title. He's your coach as well. How important is it for you to have him fulfill the role of both coach and father at the same time? It's uh, it's very important. I know it's very hard on him, and it's uh, it's hard on us as a family. But we are able to manage it. We are able to 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 separate the father and coach, and uh, it's been working for us. And um, and for 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 my dad, he's a he's a great inspiration for for myself and uh, for my younger sister too. That we try to to be better than him that he always tells us 
to not be like him, to be better and to push harder. And that uh, maybe one day when, uh, when we're older, we can say that we have achieved our goals. Some good advice for sure. I um, saw some interviews with you over in Paris with Mark Masters, who we actually just had on the program a little bit earlier. And both you and your father said that the victory celebration was going to be movie night and ice cream. So is that what ended up happening to celebrate your first Grand Slam title? <laughs> yes, yes, it did. But funny enough, because we had a packed day, we came back to the apartment talked to a few family members, and then we um, decided to eat junk food for for the evening. Uh, we ordered Uber Eats, had a dessert, ice cream, and chocolate, and watched a nice movie called Wanted. There you go. Uh, now, now tell me, that for some teenagers, that's normal, like, every night kind of activity. Uh, do you miss <laughs> out on doing any of those normal teenage things? Do you still find time? to take breaks to enjoy yourself, see friends, that sort of stuff? Uh, yes, of course, I do miss like those activities to have uh, uh, some movie nights with, with the family, with some friends. But um, just being on court, I'm very happy. It's a privilege for me. And I do find some time to, to do it. Like on Sundays, it's normally my day off. And uh, I would be spending time with the family, either at the beach, uh, by the pool, or sometimes if if we do have the time, we would like go to movie theaters and see like what they have uh, over there. Now, now, compared with a normal teenage life, and obviously since winning this title, I'm guessing you're receiving quite a bit of media attention since winning Roland Garros. <laughs> uh, I believe you were available in Montreal this morning. Uh, now you're talking with yep. us here in, in Toronto, and you were doing some, I believe, South American uh, media as well earlier. So is it challenging to put up with all of uh, our questions? Are you finding this, uh, or are you finding this kind of uh, uh, interesting and something new for you? Um. Yes, I've been busy like the the past few days, but it it is challenging. It is it is hard, but I'm loving the experience. I'm loving that I am learning new things along the way. That uh, I'm getting the experience and the 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 privilege to be able to do this because of my my results. So I'm happy. Speaking about experience, as you're trying to accumulate some as you work your way up towards being a professional tennis player, who is someone that you looked up to in the sport, either when you were younger uh, or, or even right now, perhaps, who's a player or two that, that you admire? I, I admire a few players, actually. That I admired um, Justine Hennen. She, she's a great player. She's fast. She's intelligent on court. And... Uh, She's just like also very powerful and like very talented. So I love her game and I try to imitate that. But in the in the men's side, I love the top three. And I'm pretty sure you guys know it would be Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, and Novak Djokovic. Yeah, there's no doubt about who those top guys are. Did you have a chance <laughs> to see uh, either of the three of them play while you were uh, having your run in Paris? I had the privilege to to watch Nadal against Federer at the Philippe Chatrier. That um, a friend of ours had tickets, and uh, he he uh, he gave me one, so I was able to watch it 
which I'm thankful for. But I haven't been able to see Novak Djokovic or any of them train in, um, in, in Paris. Well, you'll have to wait for the next uh, slam that you play in, I guess, for that opportunity. Um, we are hoping to see you, obviously, at the Rogers Cup this summer, and I'm sure it'll be nice for you to be around the other Canadian players, too, at that time. You spent some time with the Fed Cup team uh, earlier this year against the Czech Republic. What was that experience like for you, and how did you feel when you got the call to, uh, to play a match in, in Fed Cup for Canada? Oh, the experience was amazing. And when we got the call, I was just very happy that I was joyful. I was literally jumping in place while reading the, the, the email, the call that they, that they gave us. And we, my dad, sister and I, we just came off court all sweaty and when we received that that call, we were all happy, and we just hugged it out. And I just remembered all those years that I've tr- trained hard, and like the the hard work and everything has paid off. And of course, the experience from from the Fed Cup, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from that loss, and I've trained harder and uh, harder and more like intelligent so that I can not make those same mistakes in matches. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. You faced Marketa Vondruzova in Fed Cup, yeah. who's, who's the current Fed, uh, you know, French Open finalist. Here you are as the, the junior French Open winner. How did you find her game, and, and what do you need to do to get closer to competing with these types of professional players who have more experience and time on the tour than, than you do, obviously? Well, first of all, I... I think and I know that I'm able to play against those players. I know that I have the game for it. And I think it's just to keep training hard and to keep sharpening my tools that I have and to 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 get better in every aspect of my game so that I can be uh, a better player. I can train harder and like learn new things so, so that I can uh, be playing against them and be better than, 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 than them. So in terms of getting better and continuing to improve, what uh, is the next tournament for you and what kind of schedule are you hoping to play this summer? This summer, we've decided to do the Canadian tour that we planned since the beginning of the year. I'll be doing Winnipeg, uh, Gatineau and Granby, And of course, Rogers Cup and probably Vancouver. So that would be my summer, but I do not know what I will be doing after that. We're not sure. Was but it, hopefully was it, everything goes well. Was it a tough decision to, I mean, there must be some part of you that would have been excited to see how you do with the juniors at, at Wimbledon, or, or was it an easy decision for you to test yourself against some bigger competition? Of course, I, I, I always wanted to play Wimbledon. I played it yes, last year, lost second round. It wasn't a, a good tournament for me, but I love to play on grass. And But to do the Canadian Tour is one step that I want to take so that I can be a professional, a number one player. So then I'm willing to sacrifice that tournament to, to do this um to do the Canadian tour. 
Well, sounds like you've got a solid plan in place. Uh, Leila, Annie, just want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you've had a hectic few days and we're very happy to see that you had that special moment in Paris. Um, all the best this summer. We look forward to watching you here in Toronto in August at the Rogers <laughs> Cup and uh, maybe having you back on the podcast then too. Oh my God, thank you so much and uh, hopefully to see you soon. Okay, take care. Take care, bye. That was 16-year-old Leila Annie Fernandez, Canada's latest Grand Slam champion at just 16 years of age. And it's incredible to me as I'm listening, and I, I hope you, and imagine you'd feel the same way. She sounds far more mature, you know, and, and wise beyond her years. Sounds like she's got a very solid plan for the rest of the summer. Uh, I, I think it would be normal for someone that age to want to go play at, at the Grand Slam at Wimbledon even though it's a junior event, uh, and instead she's going to grind it out going through some of these uh, smaller pro events in Canada, trying to work her way up the WTA rankings. And it'll be interesting to see at the Rogers Cup this summer, does she get a wild card? Is it for the qualifying draw? Um, so much to look forward to with this young Canadian and just add her name to the mix of uh, you know other stellar young uh, phenoms that we have in this country right now. Uh, Before we wrap up, just want to make a quick note about where you can find your favorite Canadian players this week as we transition to the grass courts. In Stuttgart, we have Milos Raonic returning to the court. He won for the first time since March 14th with a 6-7, 6-4, 7-6 win over Alexei Papirin. And we'll face Joe Wilfred Sanga next. Felix Auger-Aliassime got the first grass court win of his professional career with a 7-5, 6-3 victory over veteran Ernest Gobis. Denis Shapovalov, meanwhile, had the misfortune of facing Jan Leonard Struff yet again in 2019 and fell for the third time this year to the German. Over in Nottingham at the Nature Valley Open, Gabby Dabrowski is the number one seed in doubles. Sharon Fishman is also there with her partner, Mia Kato. And Peter Polanski is there playing doubles with partner, Lucas Russell. Before signing off this week, I've got some more good news for tennis fans here in Canada. We have another pair of Rogers Cup tickets that we're going to give away to the WTA event here in Toronto. These will be for the evening session on Tuesday, August 6th, which is when Bianca Andreescu is slated to make her tournament debut on center court. In order to qualify, all you have to do is the following, which is throw us a follow on Twitter at MatchPointCan and share our latest episode by retweeting it as well. We'll draw the winning name on our next episode. And don't worry if we haven't picked you yet. We do have several more pairs of tickets uh, graciously donated by Tennis Canada that we'll be giving away in the coming weeks. On that note, I want to say thank you again to our guest this week, Mark Masters from TSN and rising Canadian tennis phenom Leila Annie Fernandez. On behalf of Ben Lewis, I'm Mike McIntyre saying thanks for listening and talk to you again next week. <laughs>